0: The resurrection of the crucified Jesus brings transformation, a truth we celebrate every Sunday, but then Monday arrives with its unrelenting demands and distractions. In view of this perennial challenge, we invite you to join us for The Day After Sunday, a weekly discussion between a preacher, Chris Costalto, and a music guy, Greg Wheatley, on the implication of Christ's kingdom for everyday life. And another podcast of The Day After Sunday, I guess I'm that music guy they talked about good to see you again. Likewise Greg. So we thought uh, we've got a couple of topics today and frankly the first one isn't a very pleasant one. No. Um, A very serious topic. Um, People have been hearing about a couple of um, celebrity suicides in the news lately Mm -hmm. and uh, we thought it might be good just to take up a topic that isn't sometimes isn't talked about. I mean it's one of those topics that you just don't it's not Dinner conversation usually is. Yeah,
1: it? yeah. So this past week we saw uh, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain in the news, uh, both of whom took their lives, and came as real shock. Yeah. Now you watched uh, Bourdain's program a little bit. Is I've right? seen
0: a little bit of it. You know, it. So anybody that knows uh, his program was called Anthony Bourdain: Parts Unknown aired on CNN, uh, still does, I think. But um, had a lot to do with. Uh, he was a chef. And so it had a lot to do with culinary things, which I admit I don't have a lot of interest in. So it never really caught my fancy. But seen enough of it to know that um, he was a worldwide traveler and I think probably visited just about every culture in the world. He's one of these guys that uh, you could tell just really loved getting inside cultures and experiencing uh, all there was to experience with the people of that culture, including their food. And uh,
1: very interesting guy, yeah. So both of these individuals, very successful and yeah. wealthy yeah. and famous. Um, so how does that fit into the picture? Mm. How do how do we make sense of the fact that someone who appears to be at the, the top of the world uh, would take their own life? Yeah. You know, one of the things
0: that occurs to me in this is that it would be really easy and simplistic to say, well, see, there you go. Fame and fortune mm. doesn't do it. Yeah. And I think we could come back and talk about that, but I think that's overly simplistic because if you, uh, lots of people who are not known at all, take their lives. Yeah. So um, what is the statistic
1: we were just talking about? I think they said over thirty percent increase of suicides in the U.S. since the last census in the late nineties. And that's a lot. Yeah. I
0: mean that that's that's a huge number. So clearly something is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been a problem, of course, but the rise in that number of people who choose to end their lives, um, has really taken a a spike.
1: Have you encountered someone who's taken their life or or maybe a family in which that has been the case?
0: Yes. Uh, I had to stop and think about that for a minute. It's been a while, but, um, had a friend. He wasn't a close friend, very super close, but, um, he and his wife were friends of ours, uh, in college Hmm. and it was not, uh, not too awfully long after college days that we got the word that Bill had taken his life. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's interesting you ask that because um, it was a shock as it always is. But um, knowing Bill, you know, you would never, I would never have thought. And I think that that's that's one of the common threads, isn't it? That usually people say, I didn't see that coming. Right. Yeah,
1: that's the, that's the question. Were there very often any signs, any indicators that this person was about to, you know, to do that? Yeah. Uh, so I made mention of uh, this uh, news in the sermon on Sunday. And uh, having done a little bit of research, uh, one of the interesting things that I learned is it's not so much a question of whether a person will, t- will end their life now. We we look at a suicide and we, we see the person as having confronted that decision. But a better way to look at it is a person facing the question, can I deal with this pain mm-hmm. any right. longer? That's right. the motivating force. Right. And they reach the conclusion that they can't. And that's what results in suicide. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, just be a little
0: little vulnerable and honest here today, Chris, but I, th- I think I'll just speak for me. I have been, and I think a lot of people would say, yes, me too, places of incredible uh, pain and darkness in life where it just feels like you're, you're in some kind of enclosure mm-hmm. that doesn't have a door out. Yep. Um, and if you extrapolate that far enough and think for someone to come to the point where they really do take their life, you have to think that feeling is just multiplied so much that they just literally do not think there's a way out
1: yeah we realize how weak we are and it's only by the grace of god yeah. that we live yeah and if we had the just the right or wrong set of circumstances before us and we were ill and we were in pain you know and we saw no hope on the right horizon well it's not too difficult to imagine that we could be at, at, at such a place of despair
0: yeah the other the other thing that uh probably we should say here in this context is some people may be listening and and they might have the tendency to say, well, this is simply a binary choice. If if you're a believer, this isn't going to be a problem for you. And for anyone that this is a problem for, it's someone who who doesn't know the Lord. And that too is overly simplistic, isn't it?
1: There there's a not yet to the kingdom. We still live in these bodies of death, as Paul puts it, and we we struggle. There are many Christians who struggle with deep anxiety and depression. So we're all in this same human experience together. The Christian does, thankfully, have resources right. that the non-Christian doesn't have. Right. And uh, you might say, in part of what we're about here uh, in the church is helping the body of Christ to recognize those resources of grace and to embrace them and apply them in, in ways that are practical from day to day. Mm-hmm here's a here's a pastoral question for you,
0: and I know I suspect you've probably gotten it in real life. Um, someone takes their life who is a believer, mm. and the people they've left behind are saying, "What about them?
1: Yeah, yeah, I have encountered that. And you know there was a teaching in the church for quite some time, particularly the Roman Catholic Church that if an individual takes their life, then they've committed a mortal sin and are therefore without hope. So, yeah, against that backdrop, we often see suicide as uh, an indicator that someone did not have faith, uh, that someone is beyond the reach of God's grace, and those are things we we must repudiate, you know, that uh, God's grace extends to us in all of our circumstances, including uh, suicide. Yeah, which is an important
0: thing to say for those that are left and grieving, Mm -hmm. um, to have that pastoral kind of insight into that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, what do we make of this as as Christians, as the Church, when we see this rise in the number of suicides taking place? It's confronting us in the news. Um, maybe, maybe practically, what do we do with with people that are in our circle that we're we're
1: fearful may be considering that? Well, one of the questions to ask is: Are there some contributing causes that can be addressed? And one of which that we mentioned on Sunday was. The problem of uh, individualism and solitude to such a degree that a person is without support, without help, so disconnected from a community. And uh, I think it's important to realize that that's one of the signs. You know, if a person is reclusive, is withdrawn, is is no longer going out and engaging with friends. Then you need to look at that. You need to follow up as a friend and ask questions. And don't just accept the, oh, I'm fine answer, Mm -hmm. you know, but uh, verbalize what you're seeing and give that person opportunity to respond. Mm.
0: What about the person, maybe more difficult question, who is themselves feeling the pull towards this sort of dark, dark view? There's no way out. I know that's a lot that's a that's a much deeper answer than a 60 second answer but what, what would you say to that person
1: Yeah I would say firstly that in this life even as Christians we are going to encounter occasions of melancholy, disappointment, um, even depression. And that's part of the human experience. Sometimes we can have what theologians call an over-realized eschatology. That is to say the 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 misnomer that now that I'm in Christ, everything is going to be smooth. Well, no, it, it's uh, it's a battle right up to the end. Um, so when we encounter those moments in the valley, we can recognize ourselves as being in the normal human experience, normal Christian experience. Mm-hmm. And and indeed, as, as Christ followers, it's compounded by the spiritual war in which we find ourselves. So I think that's a starting point. And, um, you know, if I were to put my finger on one particular doctrine, I think what helps me in those moments of of uh, melancholy and even depression is the promise of Christ's presence, hmm. that he's with us to the end of the age. And even in the dark. And even yeah. in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've all seen the, the poem Footprints in the Sand, mm-hmm. and it's familiar to us. It's really true, though. I mean, I think hmm. the reason why we continue to see it is because it elucidates a profound theological truth.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe to a slightly lighter topic uh, mm-hmm. for this this podcast, you uh, have recently written an article, which I understand took a lot of took a year off your life. Yes. <laughs> what <it> sounds like, <laughs> but you were asked to do what? Fifteen hundred years of uh, church history in. A
1: thousand words? Yeah, thereabouts. No problem. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, I don't know. I, at the time, it sounded manageable. I said <laughs> yes, and then I started <laughs> but researching, it's done, right? and it's, it is uh, now okay, finished, so thankfully. Yeah. yeah, and um, it was a, a fun experience to k- kind of look through that history and uh, identify the high points. You know, so I finished the article, and um, and then had to include some of that reflection in the sermon.
0: So, what did you? I, I, I hesitate to say, what you learned Because I know this is really your area, so I'm not sure you learned anything new. But um, what are some of the, what are the lessons?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, there's a great deal of diversity in the church through the ages, in, in the, the form that Christian faith has taken. You know, so the way I put it in the sermon was to say, what you saw in Spain and Latin America differed greatly from what you had in the Netherlands and Norway. Uh, or Sicilians did not order their worship, as did the Watutsi or right. you know other groups, um, and so that's interesting to note. Is it's a common faith, and yet it uh, springs forth from different people groups, and uh, and therefore it's going to have a different texture to it. And there is a common center, and it's uh, it's Jesus' death and resurrection, and it's ones. Um, involvement in the church. Mm-hmm. Now, that's interesting because today, in our context, it's it's very common for someone to claim a relationship with Jesus but not go to church right. on a regular basis. Right. That is completely foreign mm-hmm. to the tradition of Christianity through the centuries. So that, that whole idea of um, diversity and unity around the gospel is one of the observations
0: and I would think I mean one of the things is that it encourages us to um, be a little more open about our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world or even in another part of our own country mm-hmm. that may not agree with us on maybe how we do church or uh, our liturgical um, convictions mm-hmm. uh, but to be able to embrace them and say okay uh, we we do share this common, uh, common core, as you put it on Sunday, of uh, of of Jesus, and uh, he is the center, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the other challenge that we have faced is for Christian faith to devolve into something manageable, uh, a set of rules, observing religious rites and losing sort of the dynamic, personal impulse that you see in the pages of the New Testament. Hmm. So, you know, it wasn't very long before um, the observance of sacraments became uh, central in in the foreground. And and that's, you know, sacraments are uh, the two sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper are means of grace and need to be uh, celebrated. But the problem is when we no longer take responsibility for our own Christian walk, but we outsource it. And, mm-hmm. and we see the priest as the one who's responsible and you know we go to the church on certain occasions we uh, observe whatever needs to be done and there you have it you're fine yeah um and but and by the way we Protestants have our own way of doing that you know so this yeah. is you know a human again a human challenge so that was another caution it was to make sure that we don't allow our Christian faith to be reduced in that way. Hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, Chris, you're right, because the first thing I was thinking when you were talking about the sacraments and letting them devolve into sort of, was sort of the view of the Roman church. Mm-hmm. But we do have our own versions of that, don't we? Where we sort of go on autopilot and assume that, well, I went to church, you know, yeah. I, uh, I I put in my time this week. Yes. Um, and again, that's another way to just not see this as a personal dynamic ongoing relationship
1: one of the things we've talked about as elders here at new covenant is exchanging the language of membership to that of participation Hmm. i think that's the the new testament vision is for men and women to be so committed and and engaged in the work of discipleship and evangelism uh, that it defines us Hmm. and and that's a little bit different from being a a quote-unquote member in the traditional sense of that word. Hmm.
0: Well, um, we have talked uh, here before, I think, at least between you and me, uh, maybe off off the podcast, about um, having people write us with questions. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the sacraments, and that actually is a nice segue into this. We actually got we actually got a question from one of our uh, podcast people. Um, and the question was, why do you say the Lord's table at New Covenant Church and not the um, Lord's Supper or communion?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we could add another word. We don't the word Eucharist. yeah. Those are all valid terms, right?
1: I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So
0: why do we say the Lord's table?
1: Well, I think as you and I were discussing earlier, it's it's largely re- rhetorical. Uh, we like the way it sounds, but we could easily talk about communion. And indeed, that's, that's important. We're in communion. We're, we have union with Christ and one another. Um, we could talk about Eucharist, for that matter, etymologically speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're giving thanks yeah. for this. And, uh, and the supper. Of course, this was a big part of Sunday sermon. Uh, when the Bible talks about our solidarity as God's people, uh, it often happens around a meal. Uh, true in the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and, and uh, it's true uh, for us as, as we celebrate the, the body of Christ.
0: And ultimately, there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? Mm-hmm. It is interesting how, yeah. often, how often we see that image of, of the table um, set. I would say another very practical reason is that if you say supper to me, that connotes a time of day.
1: Hmm. Oh, right? interesting. Yeah. What do you mean
0: by supper at your house? Right, yeah. use that word? Uh, no, we don't. But yeah. It, so it would be, what, late afternoon, early evening? That's huh? what I think of it as, yeah. And so when you have communion in a morning service, it's not supper. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who eats supper at that hour? These are all interesting points yeah, to ponder. Yeah,
1: yeah. But isn't it true? It's, it's around the table. I can remember growing up in an Italian family every Sunday— When I was a very small child living in Queens, we would gather with my grandparents and and all the family who were there around the table. Mm -hmm. And there's a big bowl of pasta. And, and meatballs and brajol, and it was fantastic. I mean, those are my best memories of my life. Um, but it was more than the food, as, yeah. g- as wonderful as that was. Uh, it was the relationship. It was the tradition for mm-hmm. which that stood. Yeah. Um, there was something more going on yeah. there.
0: I'll tell you a story similar to that. Uh, early on in our marriage, uh, we would go to Jennifer's house for Christmas, and I, I have this vivid memory of there were so many gathered there, extended family, that the eating went on down in the basement around like ping pong tables put together. Hmm. And we joke about how it seems like the three days we were there, we were constantly down there. We'd go up for a little while and then we'd head back down to the basement around the table. Yes, And those are the memories. There's something about gathered fellowship at a table
1: Yeah, that... Um, really does stand for close fellowship, right? I believe so. Yeah. So maybe a common thread to all that we're talking about, if it's possible to tie together this larger discussion, is our, our identity um, in Christ as communal, bigger than simply ourselves as individuals. Um, that's something we struggle with in this cultural moment in America. Uh, I went to a restaurant yeah. this past week, and as we were waiting to get a table there were a handful of people, appeared to be colleagues, all looking at their phones. And then mm-hmm. they went and got a table together. Mm-hmm. But for the few minutes that we st- stood and, and waited, they were all in their own private world yep. at w- looking at their devices. Yep. Um, that's individualism of today, and it's it's just
0: ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. You can be together physically right. and not really be together. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put well, it. It really is true. Yeah. Well, um I want to invite people to do as this one person did and send us comments or questions. Mm-hmm. So they can do that by way of the website, right? Yes. Uh, wherever you Facebook would be would be a good place, right? Yep.
1: You can you can uh, get information there about our church but also uh, email us your question, love yeah. to see that.
0: Say hey, I listened to the day after and uh, here's my yeah. Here's my comment or my question yeah, for you. So.
1: Share a zinger. I want to see Greg Wheatley squirm. Real <laughs> yeah, tough one. Yeah, well, maybe music. what goes around comes <laughs> around. How about how about we have you answer the theological question and I'll answer the, the music questions? question. Wouldn't that be interesting? That would
0: be very interesting. We'd probably do that one time. <laughs> yeah, <we'd probably laughs> And then would. we'd both be fired or something. So. <laughs> well, and uh, also, we'd love to see you at New Covenant Church. Um, tell them about that.
1: Yeah, we gather on Sunday mornings at 10.30. Uh, It would be a a pleasure to meet you. If you do come, please introduce yourself once a month. We gather in the parlor, this lovely room we have here. We have cannoli and coffee with the pastors, and that's uh, this upcoming Sunday. And so if you're in the Naperville area, by all means, please come visit us. But
0: we do have church every week, not once a month.
1: We do, just the cannolis once a month. Thank you for that correction.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so 1030, and we're right on the corner of Washington and 75th in Naperville. Really hard to miss Yeah. church with a
1: steeple. Tall steeple. uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, Chris's
0: car parked out front. That's right. Yeah, (laughs) love to have you uh, visit. So thanks, Chris. This has been a good, uh, good visit.
1: Yeah, pleasure, Greg.
0: Thank you for joining us for the day after Sunday. We'd love to have you worship with us at New Covenant Church this Sunday morning at 10.30 at the corner of South Washington and 75th Street in Naperville. And please join us next week for the day after Sunday.